At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined as always by my good friend, Mike Luciano. Mike, how are you doing today on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon? Well, it's a little chilly where I am. I wish you'd uh, see a little more of the sun poking out, but uh, I'm in, I'm feeling some existential dread right now because I know what's coming in a couple days, and it's probably not going to be a Jets offensive explosion, and it really limits my ability to analyze this team because I got to keep finding up with new ways and synonyms to describe this offense as putrid. Hey, 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 uh, hey, Mike, Mike, is he a Banacanda? He's changing everything, baby. Let's go. Israel well, yeah, a guy who four years ago was saying, oh, I hope I get an A in physics class and who am I going to take to prom? That guy will fix everything. Hey, that's what Sauce Gardner was doing four years before he came into the league and for was first team all pro. You never know, man. Uh, Sauce Gardner going to play wide receiver? <laughs> but should, honestly, like, he'd probably be like the third best receiver on this team. He's right probably now, got the same hands as Alan Lazard. <laughs> if, if they champ bailed him and played him on both, I'm like, I don't know. But <laughs> it, we'll talk about more realistic solutions a little bit later. I know Robert Sala obviously mentioned one of them, and obviously we got to talk about the elephant in the room, a player who's no longer on the roster, Michael Carter. But first, I want to talk to you about our friends over at Sleeper. And that's all for all you fantasy football guys, because the Jet Press is partnering with Sleeper Daily Fantasy to give new users a first deposit match up to a hundred bucks. Make sure you use our code FANSIDED2, F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D-2, when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always game responsibly. Make sure you scan that little QR code in the bottom right corner of our screen if you're on YouTube to see if you qualify. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be, you get your podcasts. We're on all those sites and YouTube and TikTok at the Jeff Press for both of them. Make sure you subscribe here. Make sure you give a like to this video if you want to show your support that way. Make sure you check out the super thanks in the chat. If you want to really have eternally good karma, you can do that. We're always appreciative. Make sure you give us a five-star review too on Apple Podcasts. Again, not for egotistical reasons is to get us up those review charts we would be so grateful if you guys did that so let's dive right into a week that started with some breaking news happily not during the show which has kind of become a recurring gag for us on here where 
earth-shattering news always happens at really inconvenient times. Yeah, this dude, one, we can was, at least be a little bit prepared. I was stunned when I saw the news that Michael Carter got released yesterday, not just because he got released, but I was like, damn, they did it before the show? This is I fully expected something like that. But again, though, it's a running back. It's not a wide receiver. If the Jets cut, like, they're not going to cut Alan Lazard. If they cut Randall Cobb or something, that's probably happening either during the show today or a little after the show. So just maybe stay tuned. Maybe that's happening. The Corey Davis retiring, like when I was doing the ad read one episode, that was that was that'll never be top. But and Elijah Moore were saying we're not they're not going to trade him, and then ten minutes later they traded him. Miko Hardman, Miko Hardman, Denzel Mims, like it's every time, every time. So Carter happened on Tuesday, and you kind of saw this was happening because actually Robert Sala on the Michael K show doing his uh, weekly interview after the game, he. Uh, they were asking him mostly about how you're going to discipline guys if you're not making any big changes. And he said, you can kind of look for a needle in the haystack where he did do that without yelling at a guy. And it was Michael Carter because he had a back-breaking penalty and then he didn't see any snaps the rest of the game. And then a day later, that's that's the end of Michael Carter in New York. I kind of honestly, as you can go back and check the podcast too, and Justin, I'm sure that you remember this, I was saying I don't really see a reason to keep Michael Carter on the roster after the Dalvin Cook signing. Because I was all in on a Banacanda as the third running back. I thought Cook, like we all had different expectations for Cook. We didn't think he'd be this bad, but we thought he'd play a role. We're like, well, what's the point in keeping Michael Carter, especially off the, the year he just had? Because everybody remembers the rookie year. He was great, 600 yards, but just under 1,000 from scrimmage as a fourth-round rookie, 4.3 yards per attempt. You're like, all right, we got something here. And then for some reason, he just he was an explosive guy, a speed guy. Back in his collegiate days at North Carolina, he just couldn't get it going again. He was like a one-cut power guy. Yards per attempt went all the way down to 3.5. They've tried a little bit to get him involved, but only eight carries this year. 15 catches, but only 68 yards, so he's not really making the most out of that. He hasn't had to play longer than 10 yards all season long. I, I, Michael Carter didn't have a future with the Jets. With everybody they got to pay, with how bad the offense is, with Hall, Brees Hall establishing himself as one of the best running backs in the league, this just seemed like a matter of if, uh, when, not if. It just seemed like there was no real path to Michael Carter getting playing time. This isn't going to fix the offense wholly. I don't even think it'll make that big of an impact, just game to game because of how little Carter was used. But at least this was something, and at least it gives him a chance to maybe scratch on somewhere else. I heard – on Twitter, I saw on Twitter rather that Carolina had some minor interest in him. I don't know why the Panthers keep scooping up all the other bad Jets, but that's a discussion for another day. Uh, Frankie Luva was good. Frankie Luva was good. Frankie Luva was the good one. I guess they're like, oh man, the Jets just keep dropping our, uh, you know, keep dropping these gold right in our hands. And they got one in Luva and they might try again in Carter, but this is, it's kind of unfortunate because it seemed like Michael Carr is a really nice guy, but. The end of the day, results-oriented business, got to get it done, and he wasn't getting it done. Yeah, I, I feel I feel bad for Michael Carter, the human being, because he does seem like he was very well liked in that locker room. I, you know, multiple Jets players that you know have, have spoken to me or come out in the past, whatever, like in interviews, have said that Michael Carter is one of the funniest guys in the locker room. Uh, he's very, very well liked. So it's unfortunate to see him as a person go. But like you said, Mike, the writing was on the wall with this one. And I, I feel bad because I kind of spent all day Monday shredding the dude on Twitter. And not like him, but shredding the fact that the Jets continued to try and fit a square peg in a round hole, and it was not working. They tried to make him the third down back. I don't know if they thought his skill set was best suited to that, or they thought that was the easiest way to get him touches. 
but they made him the third down back. And through the entire season, he's been that guy. That's been his role. And I, I know PFF grades are not everything. And there's a lot of issues with it. But I think this is one of those where the, the tape definitely matches the PFF grade. Michael Carter has the lowest receiving grade, or I guess had the lowest receiving grade of any player on this Jets roster. That is saying a lot. This is a Jets roster that has Randall Cobb on it. Michael Carter has a lower receiving grade. He also ranks 59th out of 64 qualified running backs in pass block grade. Dalvin Cook ranks 5th. Brees Hall ranks 18th. The Jets have two much more capable third down backs on their roster. I don't think Dalvin Cook is much as a receiver. At least he has his drop issues. But he's a much better pass blocker, at least he has been this season, than Michael Carter. Carter was a bad third down back. He just, he just was, that was not the role they should have been playing in him despite his, his, his unfortunate, or I guess despite his crappy receiving ability, ability, I'm trying to think of a better word to say it, but despite the fact that he's a bad receiver and a bad pass blocker, he's played 76% of his snaps this season on passing downs. That's coaching. Like that's a hundred percent a coaching problem. I feel bad for Michael Carter because I feel like they misused him in a way, but at the same time, he wasn't really effective in any role that they, that they used him. Um, so I think the writing was on the wall for him to eventually get benched and which that was likely going to be the plan, regardless of whether he was still on the roster, what it sounds like. And what Robert Sala said today is that they had the conversation with him and basically decided that it would be better off to just release him, give him an opportunity to hopefully catch on with other team. I mean, he's still on his rookie contract. So there's, you know, he's, I guess, a valuable asset in that regard. I would not be surprised at all if he's claimed on waivers. Um, maybe even on the show today, cause I think it only, I think it's only one day for waivers during the season, maybe. Uh, so it might actually be literally live on the show that he gets claimed. Um, so I would not be surprised if he catches on somewhere else, but it, it was time for the Jets to make a change. I hope what this means moving forward is not only snaps for Izzy Abanacanda, because I know their hesitancy with Abanacanda. I get it. He had some ball security issues in the summer. They don't think that he's a particularly good pass blocker. That's fine. You don't have to use him in that way. Just get him the ball in space. Look at what Keaton Mitchell is doing for the Ravens right now. Just give him a few snaps a game, and maybe one of those he can break free. And then I also think this allows the Jets to use a guy like Brees Hall, who, in my opinion, Brees Hall's probably their second best receiving threat. And they don't use him on third downs. They take arguably their second best player or best player on offense off the field on third downs. Stop doing that. Get Brees Hall on the field on third downs. Hopefully, maybe you can get some, some, some 21 personnel, 22 personnel, where you have Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall on the field at the same time. I think this opens up a lot of potential doors for this Jets offense to use their running backs moving forward. And while it's unfortunate for Michael Carter, this was the correct move. I feel bad for Carter in that he got put into that role by another antiquated Nathaniel Hackett-ism. Because it's funny how the, the role of the third down back has kind of changed. Because back in the day, you used to have big, slow, one-cut power guys would be the primary running back. And then your third down back was like a change of pace. That was the speedy, maybe catch a quick little pass and try to make something happen. That's kind of what a third down back originally was. And then now it's actually kind of reversed where you have some of the speedy, more explosive guys getting more touches early on. And the third down back is the better pass protector often. So it's funny how those things switch, obviously, because Hackett is 20 years behind the times, and so was his dad when he was calling plays. He's doing it the other way, where he has Hall taking so much of the, the workload, and then Michael Carter is like the little, almost like a scat back kind mm. of thing. And he got put into situations that he wasn't particularly good at, which again, as we said in the show after the Raiders game, rule number one, first thing they tell you, intro to coaching 101, have your players do the things they're good at. First thing, then Hackett's not doing it. Now, Carter himself, I'll I'll give him credit too. Uh, not give him credit. I will 
assign blame, I guess, rather than Michael Carter, you know. <laughs> and the opportunities he had, he didn't do much with him. And it's a continuation of last year. Like, I got them bringing him back for a third year. If they're saying, all right, last year was a fluke, maybe he was banged up. I think he was playing through something because he just lost a lot of the speed. I'm like, all right, one good year, one bad year. This will be the make or break year. And he broke, unfortunately. Uh, Abanacanda, too. I, I was thrilled that the Jets took Abanacanda. Now, actually, in my, I remember in the mock draft I did the year Michael Carter came out, I had them taking him in the third round, and they got him in the fourth round. So, obviously, I thought Michael Carter would be a great fit for the Jets. Do with that what you will. But I just love the, the explosiveness, the speed. Remember how I said Brees Hall has kind of a weird running style because he's so big, but he doesn't really run like a – like he's 6'1", 220. That's a big running back. He doesn't yeah. run like that. It's all you know, east-west and speed and juking guys. Abanacand is like that too. He's like 215, and one of his big criticisms in college was he doesn't have amazing contact balance. It's just get him a hole and have him use his speed. There are some concerns. Like People will point to the, the 20 touchdowns. Well, six of them were in one game against Virginia Tech, and four of them were against Rhode Island, FCS school. So that's half of his 20 touchdowns right there. We're in one outlier crazy game and a team that's not going to have any NFL players on it. So you have to temper it with that. But I at least see some downfield big playmaking. Almost kind of – he's not going to be as good as Dalvin Cook was in Minnesota. It's He's not going to be anywhere close to that. But I could definitely see – stylistically how they're similar and you know what maybe he can get a 60 yard run and then you know what maybe Brees doesn't just get beat up every game and have stacked boxes every game like like, Brees is probably crying out for this guy because I the age of 25 carries a game running backs it's coming to a close and especially 25 game carry game for guys who are coming off major injuries so they're putting Brees in a bad spot right now but I think by I think having so much of the offense on his shoulders. Maybe a Banacanda sparks him. I don't think it will, but maybe they're slightly more explosive. Maybe they could score a touchdown for the first time in 37 drives it'll be when they start the Bills game. Perhaps that will happen. So literally anything would be, would be an improvement. That's how low we've gotten. But again, I like a Banacanda, so maybe he'll be the guy. Well, I'll tell you this. It, this The only way this Jets team is even scoring touchdowns the last few weeks is on those quick like one play drive where Brees Hall just turns something into nothing or Garrett Wilson does something, they have a much better chance of that happening with Izzy Abanacanda on the field than Michael Carter because Abanacanda can turn something into nothing. He could take one of those to the house anytime he touches the ball. I, again, I really think like as much as I'm excited to see Izzy Abanacanda getting those few snaps, and I think giving him those snaps over someone like Michael Carter is a good thing, I really think this opens up more opportunities for Brees Hall and Dal- honestly, and Dalvin Cook because I want to be the first to say that Dalvin Cook has played pretty well the last couple of weeks. He's actually looked decent compared to how he looked early in the season. He's looked all right, and I want to say it now. I've been saying for months that Dalvin is cooked. I'm going to change my tune. I'm going to say let Dalvin cook, all right? <laughs> Let him cook. Give him more snaps this week. Get don't, him. Don't, don't clip this. This is going to come back to bite us in the ass in this Bills game, man. I'm serious. Get him the ball more. He's looked refreshed the last few weeks. I'm, I'm dead serious about that. And I think Jets fans have kind of realized that too. Now, I'm not saying he should be on the field splitting 50-50 with Brees Hall, but I'd like to see him as the primary third down back at least when or I, I don't want to say the primary third down back, but I want to see him and Brees Hall split those third down reps. I want to see Dalvin Cook out there as a pass blocker because – 
He's been pretty damn good in the past as a pass blocker this year. And I want to see Brees Hall out there as your receiving target. Honestly, split him out wide. I want to see formations on third down where the Jets have Brees Hall at wide receiver and Dalvin Cook in the backfield. That's my dream. Screw Alan Lazard. No, no offense to Xavier Gibson, but screw Xavier Gibson. Screw Malik Taylor. Get Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook on the field together. And Chris Embry is saying this as well in chat. I'm glad you brought this up. Before that, I like I liked how you said sorry, but screw Xavier Gibson, and you didn't do that for Lazard. I, I find that because funny. I feel like Xavier Gibson's been all right the last couple of weeks. He's actually made <laughs> some nice third down catches. Alan Lazard, and I'm gonna I'll defend Alan Lazard in a second, actually, which this is really funny that I'm now defending Lazard and Cook after what I said all offseason. But really quick, Chris Embry in chat says, Why does the offense never run any plays where Hall and Cook are on the field at the same time? Has that happened once all year? I don't know the numbers. I don't remember it happening. I, I genuinely cannot recall a time that that has happened this year. And I'm completely in agreement with you. Absolutely. Get those two on the field at the same time. I wouldn't have been saying that five weeks ago when Dalvin Cook looked like he was running in quicksand, but he's looked like he's he's refreshed these last few weeks. Obviously, the guy didn't have a summer to get ready. As the Jets have said, and this, you know, there's a lot of issues with them saying this, but they said it took him a few weeks to get back into football shape. Now, obviously, why would you bring a guy like that in if your plan for him was for him to be your primary runner the first few weeks while Brees Hall is recovering? But I digress. Now, Dalvin Cook looks like he's refreshed. Get them on the field at the same time. Really quick, in defense of Alan Lazard, uh, I think what we've seen from him the last couple of weeks is some of the worst football he's ever played in his career. I think he's better than this. Much like I think Corey Davis was better than the first season we saw of Corey Davis, I think Lazard is better than this. I've seen people saying bench Lazard for Jason Brownlee. I'm definitely not at that stage yet. I'm just I'm not there. I, look, I like Brownlee as a developmental wide receiver. I, I hope he can become what Lazard is now, honestly, and maybe even a better version. I think he's better in those those 50-50 balls, or at least he has the potential to be. But he's not he's not that yet. And Lazard, I know, has been a, a complete net negative, specifically the last two weeks. But he's better than that. Like, he's definitely better than what we've seen from him the last couple of weeks. He's not good. I don't think he's a wide receiver, too. But he's a starting caliber wide receiver. Like, he's he's a top three wide receiver on most NFL rosters. But anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. I'll defend Al Lazard. I'll defend Dalvin Cook, even though I kind of shit all over them for months. <laughs> I know one guy that we are certainly not going to defend, and that's uh, C.J. Uzama. And I, with Randall Cobb basically out of the picture now, for a while, Uzama seemed like he was going to be our Randall Cobb. Now, it wouldn't have fixed the offense because it's Hackett and Zach Wilson and those two together. I don't care what you do around him. You could have had DeAndre Hopkins around him. Wouldn't have fixed anything because of those two. But the, an incremental improvement that's pretty easy to make. And that's what got us frustrated that it wasn't happening because personnel changes like this are so much easier to make than structural firing coordinators, benching quarterbacks, they're easier to do, and they weren't even being attempted. At least now there's an attempt, it looks like. So not only is Carter gone, but Robert Sala basically says, in a coach-speaky way, we're going to try to get Jeremy Ruckert more tight end two snaps, which translated through the you know coaches uh, as a certified translator means C.J. Uzama's bench. He's the third tight end. Maybe he'll even be like a healthy game-day scratch if Kenny Yaboa's fully healthy. I don't think that'll happen, but you can't rule it out at this point. This is another move that, like the Carter one, it just had to happen because Uzama, look, I, I saw someone call him the Udonis Haslam of the Jets. I mean, <laughs> nobody has a bad word to say about him as a person. He's probably a great leader. He's been around for a long time. He actually, I got to give him credit, too, for overcoming all of the crazy injuries he had in his career, both at Auburn with the Bengals, too. Like, I, nothing bad to say about C.J. Uzama as just a guy to have on the team. Like, I'm sure that he adds a lot. 
I'm sure part of the reason that this locker room hasn't descended into open chaos has been maybe him as a mediator. I'm sure he's probably got some skill in that area. But now he signed a three-year deal with the Jets, I believe, after seven years with the Bengals, and he has 29 catches in 24 games. So if you have 29 catches in 24 games, offensive limitations, quarterback limitations included, you got to be an amazing blocker to keep getting on the field as much as he did. And I think that's part of why they signed up a little bit, because in Cincinnati, he did hold his own as a blocker. He has just completely evaporated. And again, he's 30 and he's got a billion injuries. These things happen, but they kept putting him out there in two tight end personnel so often. So even if you take the penalties out, there were problems. And then you add the penalties on top of that. If this was just an untenable situation, there was no way that the Jets could keep CJ Uzama as a tight end too. And I'm I'm thrilled for Rucker too because Rucker is a guy like again playing a lot of these rookies. They're not going to necessarily fix anything, especially if it's a third round tight end who might be tight end too. Like, what are you realistically expecting will happen if Jeremy Ruckert's in the game over CJ Zama? Probably nothing too drastic, but you invested a pick, a top 100 pick in this guy for a reason. And part of it is the blocking, because at Ohio State, he was not a very good pass catcher. He's a good athlete, not a great one. So the blocking, which you saw at the Senior Bowl, Robert Sondra Douglas are big Senior Bowl guys. They really like. If you ball there, they really are impressed by you. Rucker did because of his blocking, because he's so strong, because he's a people mover. For a guy his size, like if you were doing like pound for pound, might be one of the strongest guys on the team. Considering how big he is, it just it made no sense because the Jets had here's the Jets' problem. Our tight end two is not a good blocker and offers no receiving value. We have a younger guy who has some receiving value and is a great blocker. And for 10 weeks, they just said, nah, let's let Uzama go out there. At least now they're finally realizing the error of their ways, I hope. Yeah, right as you were talking about this, I was trying to look it up. Because I think another part of the issue with this, like how they, how it's more of the Nathaniel Hackett thing, is just their predictable personnel usage. Whenever Tyler Conklin comes off the field and it's CJ Uzama and Jeremy Ruckert out there, it is almost guaranteed that the Jets are going to run the ball. And I was trying to look up the numbers on this. Almost 70% of the snaps that Conklin has played this year have been passing downs. Jeremy Ruckert, uh, he's only played about 30% of passing downs. That's a huge discrepancy. So defenses see that and they see Jeremy Rucker come on the field and they go, oh, they're going to run the ball. They see Ruckert and Uzama out there and they know the Jets are going to and I feel like this has been the thing every That's time. such a two thousands way of coaching. This is our speed deep threat guy. This is our power back. This is our that like right. the defined roles that make it so obvious for the defense. You can do that twenty years ago. You yes. can't do that now. And, and and it even goes back to last week. Remember the 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 I think it was like third and one. Uh, where they ran at three store, they, they had Dalvin Cook gain like nine yards on first down, and then third and one. Was, I think it was fourth and one, and they go for it and don't get it. Remember that was it was a third. It was third and one. I think it was second and one and third and one. And they did the yes. two shotgun runs. That was the one yes. where Rogers got the call, and he's like, "Yes, mm. the two shotgun runs." Brees Hall was still in the game on third down, as we just noted. Brees Hall does not play third downs. The only reason Brees Hall was in the game on third and one was so clearly that they were going to run it with Brees Hall. Like anybody could have seen this. I remember seeing Brees Hall in the backfield. I'm like, oh, they're just running it up the gut. And it's exactly what they did. They do a little dive up the middle out of the shotgun with Brees Hall. 
And of course it stopped because the defense knew it was coming. It's the same thing with the tight ends. Get Tyler Conklin on the field and running downs. I don't think he's the best blocker by any means, but I don't think he's a significant drop-off from what we've seen from C.J. Ozama, who I'll, I want to give C.J. Ozama a little credit. I think he's had some pretty good games as a run blocker, but he's wildly inconsistent in that area. Why? Like his form, his technique, as we just saw on that that touchdown run for Brees Hall this past week, he tackled a guy. Like he straight up tackled a dude. So I don't think the drop off of getting Conklin and Ruckert on the field together instead of Uzama, you're I don't think you're losing much in, in run blocking, and you're definitely gaining a lot when it comes to unpredictability. And I think that's been a huge issue with them. I also think that um, while it's pretty clear that Ruckert is going to be a tight end too this week, I'm glad you brought up Yaboa because I think there's a non-zero chance that Uzama ends up as a healthy scratch within the next couple of weeks, whenever Yaboa is ready to return. Because this Jets, this Jets coaching staff emphasizes special teams ability. Yaboa in when he was healthy. Well, they do when they don't want guys to get on the field. Remember that whole quote? I think you pointed this out too. Yeah, he said the reason Abana Kanda wasn't playing is he couldn't play special teams and then none of the running backs play special teams. So what's the point? They use it as an excuse, but Brant Boyer has his guys. And if you're one of Brant Boyer's guys, you're going to be on this roster. And that's why Kenny Yeboah is still under contract. In the 10 games that Yeboah played last season, he played nearly 80% of special team snaps. That's more than like anybody else on the roster. I'm pretty sure it's more than Justin Hardy was playing. He was playing on every special teams unit pretty much, Kenny Yeboah, when he was active last year. So when Yeboah is healthy, I would not be surprised at all if he's tied in three over Uzama. Now, I'm not sure what you can get from Yaboa on offense at this stage, but I don't think you're getting a ton from Uzama anyway. And I know this Jets special teams coach or the Jets coaching staff emphasizes special teams. I think Yaboa could end up being that third tight end. I don't know if he's going to be activated this week. It, you know, he just They just opened up his, his practice window, so they got three weeks to activate him. But whenever he's ready to return, I would not be surprised at all if he's tied in three over C.J. Uzama. John Lynn in chat, uh, he said cool. He meant Cook. Cook needs to get more touches, play a two-running yes. back set. Yes. I Hopefully, as we've alluded to a couple times, I think this might actually be the week where Nathaniel Hackett finally has to fundamentally change some stuff. I have some faith. I'm not going to lie, and I shouldn't. That's a mistake. I'm going to be I honest have. to you. I want to get your opinion on this. This is just me watching. It's very clear Robert Sala doesn't like Zach Wilson. Like We, we know that. You could see him on the sidelines every game. It's just – angry like he's pissed that this is his his life because again he thought he was getting Aaron Rodgers like finally I'm done with this crap and then here he is again so we know he doesn't like Zach Wilson even though he's sticking up for him like you can tell that he's like why the hell isn't Aaron Rodgers here I I honestly this is just me if Aaron Rodgers was not here I think Robert Sala by now would have fired Hackett I think I think genuinely, like I know he gave him a ton of responsibility, but think about how frustrated we are as writers, as members of the media, as fans with this Jets offense. Now, because again, what what do we always say? Defense is not only good, it's great. Might be beyond great. It might be phenomenal. Maybe the best in the league. Definitely top five. You could order that however you want after that. In Cleveland, Baltimore, you could order that however you want. Imagine if you created that defense and your job is depending on this defense being amazing. And you give up. Look at these points they're giving up. 13, 10, 12. And they're losing games. And they almost lost to the Giants. Probably should have. There was a great stat. They actually allowed, in the last three games, they've averaged 75 passing yards yeah. allowed a game. And that. they should be 0-3 and they are 1-2. and 2. Like you, you, That's impossible. So to me, 
if there was no choice of offending Rodgers, because Rodgers still clearly loves Hackett. He went on Pat McAfee and said, I think Hackett's doing okay. Guys aren't executing. I, I genuinely think Hackett would have been would have been canned by now. What do you think? I, I think I have an even I, I, I think I have an even hotter take. I think if Aaron Rodgers was not in the picture at all, if he was never even a consideration, if there was no possibility of him even coming here, I think Mike LaFleur is still the offensive coordinator. Oh, assuredly. That's that, my that was just, yeah. We'll get to this later when we talk about Buffalo. Half the time coordinators get fired. It's not because they're doing a bad job. It's to throw chum to the fans who want yeah. somebody going. And that was, that was 100% what happened to LaFleur. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe every passing game coordinator from like a Shanahan McVay thing, O'Connell, Mike McDaniel, Bobby Slowick, who's with the Texans right now. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time believing Matt LaFleur, his brother. I have a hard time believing every one of them's great except Mike LaFleur. That doesn't yeah. make sense to me. I, I, Mike LaFleur's offense was 10 times better than what we've seen from Nathaniel Hackett. And that's not saying that Mike LaFleur was perfect by any means because we had his, we had our own issues with him, but I don't think he deserved to be fired. I think we kind of – I don't know. I don't know. So we talked ourselves into why they fired him, but there, you know, there was plenty of stuff going around about, Oh, he wasn't great with Zach Wilson. He wasn't doing what's best for Zach Wilson. I'm all right. Let me, I'm 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 going to talk about this right now. I think we talked about this on the post game show, but this is my entire take with this jets offense. And what is the biggest issue with it? I think it's a mindset thing. And it goes back to a quote that Robert Sala said, or, you know, apparently said to Tony Dungy before this past game, before Sunday night's game, he said that it was a race to 20 points. That's what he said. Not ignoring the, the, the issue that I have with a head coach openly admitting publicly admitting that he doesn't think his offense can score 20 points against the bad defense. That's already a bad look. Having that quarterback. Yeah. With a rookie quarterback, having that mindset going into every game, is the biggest reason the Jets' offense stinks. Their personnel sucks, their quarterback isn't good, but the biggest reason that their offense is terrible is because of that mindset, and it's an organizational mindset. It's not just Nathaniel Hackett. It goes back to Robert Sala. Sala preaches and, 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 and lives and dies by his defense being dominant, and they want to lean on that dominant defense as much as they can. But what they really should be doing is they should be taking more chances on, on offense because they know their defense can bail them out. Instead, they come out with the most conservative game plan possible. They don't take any chances at all. They come out with a predictable personnel set. They 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 run the way they run their offense. You would think that they'd rather have Trevor Simeon running this offense because they don't play to Zach Wilson's strengths at all. And obviously, we've criticized Zach Wilson a lot on the show. But hell, look what he did against Kansas City. Look what the offense that he did against Kansas City. And it's because they came out knowing that they needed to score because they looked at the Chiefs' offense. They saw who was quarterbacking the Chiefs, and they said, "Wow." We're probably not going to hold them to 12 points this game. We probably need to score at least one or two touchdowns. And they did. They did because they knew they had to. And so they came out with their foot on the gas pedal like they do in two-minute drills, which coincidentally is when Zach Wilson's at his best, when he's not thinking and when he's, he's allowed to put his foot on the gas pedal. Now, obviously, the Jets offense still won't be good if they do that. But you'd at least put Zach Wilson in a position to succeed. You would allow your playmakers to, to be put in more positions to succeed. If this is the offense you're going to run, start Trevor Simeon. If if you, but the reason that you know, according to a report from Diana Rossini from this past weekend, the reason that they're sticking with Zach Wilson is because they they believe he has the highest upside of all the quarterbacks on their roster, and that's true. That's a hundred percent true. Zach Wilson obviously has a higher upside than Trevor Simeon, and he definitely has a higher upside than Tim Boyle. So if you are, if that's your rationale, if that's what you're saying, that's why you're starting this player. Then use that upside. 
don't don't run the game. Don't run your game plan in this this conservative play not to lose mindset because that's what they do every single week. It's like they go into every week expecting not to score any points, and that's what happens. No, Andre Savila says youth is his only upside. No, it's not. I'm going to defend Zach Wilson here. All right, before anybody, oh, I can't believe this. Youth is not Zach Wilson's only upside. Zach Wilson has ten times the arm talent that Trevor Simeon and Tim. Well, Tim Boyle's arm is actually not the worst. He's just so bad at everything else. But he definitely has ten times the arm talent that Trevor Simeon does. He is significantly more mobile than Trevor Simeon does. Is but what do they do? They have these simple three step drops where Zach Wilson has to make a read. He has to read the defense. That's not his game. That's not his game at all. Get him on the move. Get Run play action. I know I saw Mark in chat say no play action at all. Yes, get Zach Wilson in more play action. They did it a few times last week. Do it more. Get him outside the pocket because inside the pocket, he's not good. And this offensive line is also not very good right now. Get him on the move. Get him outside the pocket. Let him utilize his mobility. Let him utilize his arm talent because that's his strength. If you want to run this offense, Run it with Trevor Simeon because he could do probably a better job than Zach Wilson. He's not good, but he'd probably do better than what Zach Wilson's doing. But if you actually want to maximize what this offense can possibly do, then run it. Run what you should do. Run what you did against Kansas City with Zach Wilson. Anyway, that's that's my take. I think I had that same rant after the game on Sunday, but I wanted to say it for anyone who didn't hear it. <laughs> if I could come up with one team, and I, it it pains me to do this, to use this team and this quarterback as an example of what I think the Jets should do offensively. But look at what the Giants did with Daniel Jones last year. Sure. Because Again, I am not a fan of Daniel Jones, but they found a way to get the most out of him as an athlete, keep him out of harm's way because he did not throw a lot of interceptions last year, and then this year he crapped the bed before he unfortunately got hurt. I feel bad for him there. And you know what? Every game a couple times – they realized, you know what, he may not be the best deep ball thrower, but there's certain routes, like these go balls down the sideline, that he's above average at. So let's just spam that because it works. Zach Wilson is not particularly good at many kinds of throws. There are two where he really stands out. Rolling to his right and kind of making plays on the run, and when he's in the pocket, vertically down the seam. Mm-hmm. That seems like it's his best throw. We mentioned the Conklin throw in the Kansas City game. I brought this up. I, I'm surprised no one else brought it up. When he was playing the Raiders and they're doing that late drive and he got basically knocked out from under him and he had to throw the ball in midair to Conklin down the seam. And Conklin had to jump up to make the play, but that's like, what, 30 yards it was in really the air? Nice that that's stuff that he liked. And he, that at BYU, they did that a lot. And he liked that. Yes, he's not doing that. Trevor Simeon's not doing that. Like, I'm and, sorry. And again, I think Simeon would do better in this offense, but there's just like, like, as Chris said, they're afraid of Zach, the turnover machine, like get over that. Here, I, here's what I would do too. Not only would I do the Daniel Jones offense with the giants. That's one thing. I honestly, if they really believe in Zach Wilson like this, I would say, all right, go get your old BYU playbook. What did you like? What didn't you like? We're not going to call the same thing. It's not going to be that basic. Let's find out what route concept you liked, what you didn't like, and implement that. That's almost what I think. I, I was saying that Carolina should maybe do that with Bryce Young. Go to Alabama and say, what would you like, what you didn't like? For whatever reason, Zach loved his BYU offense. He loved his BYU playbook. I'm sure that he still knows how to make plays on those sort of plays and like read it pretty well. Why not mix some of that in? I want him on the move. I, if he carries the ball fewer than six times in any other game this year, I'm going to be upset because he's a really good runner. He's good on the move. 
And they're just not – again, it's hard to use Zach Wilson well because he's so limited in so many other areas, but it's very easy to use him poorly, especially when you don't take into account what he's good at. Yeah, and I want, I'm want i going to go on a little turnover tangent here because – and this kind of is going to relate to, I think, our Bills conversation. I think interceptions are an overrated stat for quarterbacks. And I know that might sound dumb to some, but – if you look at the league leaders in interceptions every year, they're generally some of the best quarterbacks. Josh Allen leads the league in turnovers since 2018. He's a top five quarterback. I don't care what anyone says. Josh Allen's a top five quarterback. I don't think you can make an argument that he's not. Patrick Mahomes, pretty sure we'd all agree he's probably QB1. I, I, I don't think I want to listen to any argument that say he's not the best quarterback in football. He's top five in interceptions since 2021. Over the last two or three years, he's top five in interceptions. That's what happens when you take chances. Now, turnovers aren't good, but generally more turnovers are correlated with taking more chances and being more aggressive on offense and also more big plays. They are so conservative. The Jets, they are. The Jets are so conservative with Zach Wilson. They're so afraid of him throwing interceptions and turning the ball over that they do. They try everything in their power to prevent that from happening. And as a result, they handicap their entire offense. Now, the fumbles, that's 100% on Zach Wilson. You can't coach around that. That is poor pocket presence. Obviously, it's partially a bad offensive line, but a lot of it is just he has zero pocket presence and there's not much a coach can do about that. The interceptions... I'm fine if he starts to throw a few more interceptions if it also is is coming alongside more explosive plays for this offense and more sustained drives where they get some chunks of yardage, and it's not only in two-minute drills that they're doing that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> the thing with – like, we're not saying throw more interceptions on purpose. We're not, of course not. We're not saying that, but, I mean, oh, he might throw an interception. What are you going to do, lose to Aiden O'Connell? Like, you already – what are you going to do, lose right. more? You're already losing. And what like you do be the 30th ranked so offense you already are. Try something. The, the defense is so good that they have the ability to take more chances. Like they should be leaning on that. Instead, they're just like, well, our offense sucks. Hopefully, our defense might score for us. That's their mindset. That's what Sauce Gardner said after the game. He said, Well, we could have scored on defense. That should not be their mindset. Their mindset, their mindset should be, okay, we might have to bail out our bad offense. Maybe they turn it over more than they should, but at least they could sprinkle in a touchdown here and there. Meanwhile, we're still talking about this Jets offense that has not scored a touchdown of longer than one play since week four. It is week 11 now. You have nothing to lose. You cannot be worse than what you currently have. Take more chances. If you turn it over more, sure, as long as that is coming alongside, as long as you are you are also having more explosive plays, more chunk yardage gains that are not in the two-minute drill, that are not when Zach Wilson is just forced to air it out at the end of a half or a game, I, I think this offense could at least be somewhat maybe semi-competent. Like, that's all we're asking for because it's not, it's not even close to that right now. I'm going to alienate some people in the chat. Oh God! With this comment, because I've always defended Jamal Adams for asking out, because I've always said, you know, oh, he didn't want to play with Adam Gase, like oh, oh, nobody no. did, and he don't got his. Say about, don't say it about Garrett Wilson. Don't say. It. No, 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 no. Elijah Moore, maybe the animosity is getting to. Maybe he saw some of the writing on the wall. Is Nathaniel Hackett's coming in? Oh, geez, let me get the hell out of there. I mean, <laughs> well, boy, I mean. Yeah, look, I don't look. I'm not going to fault a player in most cases for trying to do what they what they want is best or what they think is best for themselves. But at the same time, I think the biggest issue with Elijah Moore was requesting a trade after a three game winning streak where he was their number two wide receiver. I know he wasn't getting a ton of targets, but he was still wide receiver two, and they were on a three game winning streak. Did he request like, a trade before they beat the Bills last week last year? It was after they beat the Packers. It was right after they beat the Packers. Oh, okay. So they were five and two. I was since that, so they were five and two, seven and ten, so two and eight, 
So since that trade request, they are, I believe, six and thirteen. All right. Yeah. Six and thirteen. Elijah Moore maybe killed the vibes permanently. Get out. No, get out of here. No, I'm not letting you spread this narrative. No, get it out of here. Absolutely not. We're not, we're not, we're not spreading that narrative on this podcast. We're on a lot of tinfoil hat uh things lately, especially because I think there's some puppet master up in the up in the luxury suites influencing the Zach Wilson decision. I mean, we're really like I could see why people get into conspiracy theories. It's very fun and easy to do so. Don't don't go down this path. Don't do this. Don't do this. Aaron Rodgers is influencing you, Mike. Stop. <laughs> hey, I still there's the one around Packers Twitter too where they think he didn't actually they didn't actually tear his Achilles. He just got like a really bad ankle sprain and he's doing it to, so they don't get the first round pick. I, I have if so, that. that that's hilarious, and I kind of commend him for that. I, I don't know how serious it is, but I've seen the jokes about it that this man's just lying and he, he had a high ankle sprain and he's just being he's just being Aaron Rodgers about it. It's funny, obviously not true, but you know, sure. Unless I see a, a medical record, <laughs> but I know uh, they they we we had. Well, I guess we don't have proof of the surgery, but it happened. It happened. It's okay. It happened. We're not <laughs> we're not the doctor. That's all I know. But here's here's what is real and is definitely not a conspiracy is the Jets are going to play the Bills next week. And Justin, I believe, has a message from our friends over at Sleeper. I do. I do have a friend or, or a message from our friends over at Sleeper and my personal friend, because this is this is the only fantasy uh, sports app that I use. Sleeper is genuinely great. That's not they're not paying me to say that. I genuinely believe that Sleeper is pretty cool. Anyway, Jet Press Podcast is partnering with Sleeper Daily Fantasy to give you users a uh, give new users a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Make sure to use our code FANSIDED2. That is F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D and then the number two when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always gamble responsibly or game responsibly. Scan the QR code that is on the screen in the bottom right to see if you qualify. That's it. Really quick, short, simple, easy read. Definitely do that. It helps us out, and uh, and Sleeper's pretty cool. Anyway, yeah. So with that, (laughs) let's head on to Jets Bills. Let's talk Bills. Actually, let's talk more about Buffalo specifically. I agree. Because a part of me is thinking, all right, well, you know what? Of all of the good teams in the AFC. For some reason, the Jets play Buffalo so well. They beat them last year with Zach Wilson. They beat them again this year, primarily with Zach Wilson, almost entirely with that. And actually, if you watch how he plays, for some reason, the way they do defense, even though he's mostly in the pocket, some of his best games as just a pure pocket passer are against Buffalo. I think he was like, what, like 16 to 25 in the game last year, and he ran in a touchdown, and then obviously the Garrett Wilson bailed him out in the touchdown in this one, but the fact that they even kept him in that game given the circumstances, I thought was pretty impressive for Zach Wilson. So I'm thinking, you know, Bills are wounded five and five, but then again, we could have all these great analysis points. What if they do this and this and this, and the Bills mess up like this? Okay, offense hasn't scored a touchdown in basically three games, so that's kind of how I'm operating right now. Even though the Bills in my opinion, made a horrible decision firing offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. The Bills, in terms of EPA, expected points allowed, are third in the league in offense. Only San Francisco and Miami are above them. I believe they're first in success rate on drives. Josh Allen, he's turning the ball over. I think he still leads the league in passing touchdowns. They don't have a running game still, but Allen is again finding ways to overcome that. It seems to me, and again, I'm not firmly entrenched in Bills Mafia or Bills fans right now, but it seems to me like 
it was a classic case of every time they score, it's Josh Allen's great, and every time they don't, it's fire the offensive coordinator. Like, what is Joe Brady going to do? Have a top 10 offense? You already do. Now, Allen can make some puzzling turnovers, like more so than any of the other elite quarterbacks who will be a little riskier and turn the ball over. Like, Allen in particular has always kind of been like that, kind of reckless, definitely trusting his arm more than most. But again, how could you not? He's got like the strongest arm in the league. I would trust that arm if I had that arm. So if it was just me, I wouldn't have fired Ken Dorsey, but I don't know. Maybe the interim coach effect will have an impact on Buffalo in this game, like Antonio Pierce seemingly has with the Raiders. It might. And I like Joe Brady. I think Joe Brady kind of got screwed over in Carolina. He got scapegoated in a way that, you know, some might say that Ken Dorsey did. He definitely got scapegoated. Oh, 100%. That was Matt Rule, yeah. For sure. Uh, really quick, Josh Allen's numbers against the Jets. There is not a team in the NFL that Josh Allen struggles against more than the Jets. He is – the Jets to Josh Allen are the Patriots to Zach Wilson, like for sure. Or, or everybody Josh to Allen, Zach Wilson. <laughs> specifically the Patriots. Like Zach Wilson is so bad against Patriots. Josh Allen in his career against the Jets, nine passing touchdowns, ten interceptions, six rushing touchdowns, ten fumbles. So 20 interceptions and fumbles – in what? How many starts against the Jets? Ten starts. That's two inter- two turnover-worthy plays, you know, because they didn't lose all the fumbles. I think he lost seven of the fumbles. Essentially, two interceptions and fumbles combined in each start against the Jets. He had four of them this past uh, week one against the Jets. He struggles mightily against the Jets. But I do want to talk about Josh Allen for a second because – I'm with you. He definitely, of all the elite quarterbacks, is the most prone to those wacky turnovers where you're just like, what is this dude thinking? And we saw it week one. We saw week one multiple times. We're like, what is that throw, Josh Allen? What are you doing? This season, of all seasons that he's played in his career, he has actually been the best or the safest with the ball. Even though he leads the league in interceptions, he is middle of the pack in turnover-worthy plays. He's below, like, Tua in in turnover-worthy plays. No one's going to talk about that because it doesn't fit the narrative around Josh Allen. So in defense of Josh Allen, while I do think that turnovers have been an issue for him throughout his career, again, as they tend to be for the top quarterbacks like him, like Mahomes, that – you know, they can just, they take a ton of chances and they know how talented they are. But I think he's been a lot better this season. And I think that turnover worthy place that, while a little subjective, it's a good indicator of future success because Dak Prescott led the league in interceptions last year. He has, he was nowhere close to the league lead in, in turnover worthy plays. This year, I believe he has the lowest interception rate among all qualified quarterbacks. Because Dak does not turn the ball over a ton, despite what the narrative might say. So I think Josh Allen's been better. I think the Bills, genuinely, my my honest take about the Bills offense, I think their biggest issue is they've been very unlucky. Like I, and I know it's hard to sell that on a fan. Well, and they can't run the ball too, but that's always yeah, been a problem with them. People look at like their 18th in rushing yards and stuff. A lot of that is Josh Allen. I know they've asked him to run a lot less this year, but he still does a lot of that. And they just like look at the last the the the, the last game they just had on on Monday Night Football. It's like Looney Tunes turnovers. Like it's the wackiest shit. Like James Cook. I mean, even one of them he recovered, but James Cook bouncing a football like a basketball. Like what? It's like the dumbest shit. How, is that the opposite coordinator's fault? Is it the opposite? offensive coordinator's fault that they botched a, a, a handoff? Is it the offensive coordinator's fault that they had 12 men on the field on on a potential game-winning missed field goal? That's no. what pissed me off. That doesn't happen. They win that game. They're 6-4. and four. They don't fire Ken Dorsey. Correct. They don't. And that's on the special teams coach. That's on the head coach. It's definitely not on the offensive coordinator. I don't think Ken Dorsey 
did as good of a job as the EPA numbers might indicate. I think a lot of it was Josh Allen just standing on his head. As For as much shit as Josh Allen has gotten this year, I think he's playing like one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL this season. I think he's actually been really, really good. He's had two bad games, and they've just happened to both be on primetime against the Jets in week one and this past Monday night. Those were like the easily the two worst games of his season. For the most part, he's been really, really good. And the only reason that Bill's offense even isn't even worse than it is. But I, I do think a lot of the EPA, EPA numbers are his are because of him and it's not necessarily because of Ken Dorsey. I think I think that honestly, overall, the offense is just really inconsistent for them. That's, I think, their biggest issue. And it also looks bad because their defense is playing pretty good ball, despite the fact that they're down Matt Milano, they're down Tredavious White, they're down Daquan Jones, who was having a really good season before he got hurt. They are missing a lot of key players, and their defense, for the most part, has been keeping them in a lot of games. Meanwhile, the offense is almost fully healthy. Like They're pretty healthy on offense. So I think it's a, it's it's a combination of that. It's a combination of the outside pressure of uh, you know losing that game and now falling to five and five and kind of hitting the button saying what can we do to fix this team? Really, I think they were fine. I think ultimately their luck was going to balance out because they've just been extraordinarily unlucky with turnovers this season. But it's just it's so hard to sell we're unlucky on a fan base and on on the rest of the team too. Like how do you look at your players and they see what's happening? Like Stephon Diggs. I know Stephon Diggs will get shit for being like a diva and all this stuff. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. He just wants to win. Like, I remember it was the AFC Championship game, Bills versus Chiefs. After that game, I'm pretty sure there was stuff that said he was on the field for like an hour after that game, just like in disbelief, like crying, just couldn't believe it. He wants to win. How do you look at him and after, you know, all the the, the unfortunate playoff losses that the Bills have suffered over the last few years, and how do you look at him when you're five and five and say, it's okay, we've just been unlucky? That's a really hard sell. Like, that's a really difficult thing. So I get why they did this. I don't think it was the right decision, but I don't fault them for being proactive. And I also think Joe Brady is going to do a pretty good job. I want your uh, your thoughts on this quote because it actually th- – this might be the most mind-numbing, hard-to-read quote I've ever heard from an NFL coach. Sean McDermott was asked uh, why you know why he did it, and he said, with new, why is there new leadership as the offensive coordinator? This just this is corporate speak. This is like ten thousand onboarding powerpoints mashed into one. <laughs> With new leadership, we want the offense to establish a subculture as part of the team's overall culture to help foster confidence and energy and focus into doing things that lead to winning. Did did, did he say anything there? I think he he made one declarative statement there. I think he went to chat GPT and said, put in as, as many buzzwords as possible into the statement. <laughs> and then he just spit out that, that statement. I think that's what it, it says nothing. I will credit the bills in this way though. We credited San Francisco for admitting Trey Lance just didn't work. And they went move off. And we criticized the jets for not doing that with Zach Wilson. We don't agree with the firing of Ken Dorsey, but if they thought it was a problem, they were immediate and declarative yes. in doing it. Instead of, I think Hackett's doing okay and guys aren't executing. I would rather, honestly, have something like that happen, or at least I have a declarative, decisive front office instead of just trying to talk yourself into somebody that isn't performing well. I agree completely, and that's why I can't fully fault them for the decision. Like As soon as it happened, I was like, man, good for them. Good for them for doing that, because they're 5-5. Five and five. 
at this point, McDermott, I don't want to say McDermott's coaching for his job because I do oh, think he totally he's like both his coordinators. And that's the thing. I think he's a good coach. I do think Sean McDermott's a very good coach. And I think he's gotten a lot out of that defense this year when they just they, they don't they don't have a lot of pieces, or at least they lost a lot of pieces. And I think he's just done a very good job overall. And I also think Brandon Bean has done a good job too, but eventually the results are gonna matter. And eventually well, I mean, I th- okay. On Brandon defense, Bean made a couple big acquisitions. He hasn't drafted a wide receiver. I agree. Day three since like 2018. I well, look, you could be like you could say the same shit about Joe Douglas. I feel like a lot of general managers have like a few really good things that are are keeping them their jobs. Like Joe Douglas, it's the 2022 draft class. That is basically what is keeping Joe Douglas his job right now. Obviously, went out and acquired Aaron Rodgers, but for for Brandon Bean, it's you know going out and, and trading for Stephon Diggs, like. That was a massive move that not only helped get their offense to where they needed it to be, but it helped develop their quarterback into one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So he deserves a lot of credit for that, even if I think the the allocation of assets to their skill position group has been really bad. Like the, the Bills, I put out a tweet watching that Bills game. And I said that people gave me shit. The Bills offense is basically the Jets offense, except they have Josh Allen at quarterback and not Zach Wilson. Uh, and that's pretty much I, figured, I And Stefan Diggs and not Garrett Wilson. Yes, but also like it's two. Both are top fifteen receivers. I think Diggs is better. I think Diggs uh, completely agree that Diggs is better. But I, I I think they both are top fifteen receivers. The Jets have Brees Hall as well, and that's better than James Cook. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think that the Bills' offense is virtually the same thing as the Jets' offense, except they have Josh Allen at quarterback. I also think they have better play calling, or at least you know they did. I think Ken Dorsey was better than Nathaniel Hackett. Um, but I, th- I think there's some similarities there. Uh, because they don't have a wide receiver too. Gabe Davis is not good. I know he's got better numbers than Alan Lazard this year. He's got a much better quarterback throwing him the ball. Gabe Davis has basically the same issues that Alan Lazard does when it comes to concentration drops. I don't know. I, I think I think that's a very – I think that you can make that comparison. Looking at this game specifically, I have one thing that makes me think, all right, the Jets actually have a shot here, and one that I'm concerned about. The thing I they have a shot here is this team is not very good stopping the run. Denver is not a very good running team, and they ran the ball pretty much the entire game on Buffalo. Obviously, no Daquan Jones out, but I mean, that, that's the recipe for success for the Jets. Brees Hall is a bad game. They literally can't score points. They, they, they cannot get the ball in the end zone. Sometimes, even if he's having a good game, they have trouble getting the ball they, in the end they're zone. They're 8-0 when Brees Hall scores a touchdown. Like they, They've go. never lost the game. I mean, part of that is because when the Jets score at least one touchdown, they try. They tend to win. It just doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> but, that's, you know. that's a sad statement. <laughs> the, the thing I'm concerned about, though, is as great as these cornerbacks are, I think the best trio in the league in terms of outside-outside nickel with Gardner-Reed Carter, oh, the only that, Michael no. Carter on the team now, we finally can – Put those jokes to bed. But no. uh, for some reason, Diggs specifically too, like he does the best against this defense uh, was compared to some of the other elite receivers out there. Even Tyreek Hill. I know that Tyreek had, didn't have Tua when he was playing there, but Tyreek did not have a Tyreek game when he played the Jets the last couple of years. Some of the other elite receivers have struggled again. Devontae Adams, they got him the ball early on, but when he was up against Sauce and specifically – didn't really do much of anything. And that's with a team trying to get him the ball above all else. For some reason, Diggs has been the the Stevie Johnson to Sauce's Revis sometimes. Where mm-hmm. Revis would be – Andre Johnson would have one catch for four yards and then Stevie Johnson would get eight. Like I don't know what it was about him. I, I think part of it is because Sauce is not a big guy. Like He's not a muscular corner. He's not like a Pat Sertan 
kind of thing, but he's so long that he can just like wrap you up and lock you out. Diggs is so quick and elusive that he can't really it's like a boxer when they were talking about how they couldn't hit Ali. It wasn't because Ali punched hard. Ali was not an amazing puncher. You just couldn't hit him. You can never really like get a square shot in. That's the thing. It's like you can never really just lock down on Diggs. He's always doing something. So I'm worried about that. That's fair. I, I guess my counter argument to that would be, and this is gonna this is gonna sound like the ultimate Josh Josh Allen hater comment, but Josh Allen's throwing the ball, <laughs> and Josh Allen against this Jets defense is a recipe for disaster every single time. Like we mentioned it before, and it makes sense that the Jets are are so difficult, such a difficult matchup for Josh Allen because this Jets defense thrives on quarterbacks that take risks. They beg you to take risks. They want you to try and throw downfield on them. They want you to try and throw into those tight windows, try to extend plays. Like that's what they want. They want to get you on third and long. That's that's how this Jets defense thrives. And and I think Josh Allen is at his best when he's a playmaker and when he's trying to, you know, trying to extend plays and throw downfield. And unfortunately, that's it's just that's the strength of this Jets defense. I think they just match up so well against him. Ultimately, when it comes to talking about this game, Mike, it's virtually the same thing as as every other Jets game. Like I, I, I have a tiny bit of more faith in the offense this week, or at least I don't want to say. Oh, faith. I don't. Road I game, cold Buffalo. Let me rephrase: not faith, optimism. Which is the it's it's like the 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 gateway drug to faith. I'm aware of that, but I I have some optimism, a sliver of optimism that things will be a little bit different on offense because I think they actually genuinely made changes this week. They released Michael Carter. It sounds like they're gonna play Ruckert more. It sounds like they have even more offensive personnel changes that they're that they're cooking up. Maybe involving Dalvin Cook. We'll see. I, I have a little bit more faith in the offense, but ultimately. The defense is going to keep them in the game regardless. I don't think Josh Allen is going to have a big game against this Jets defense. He'll probably turn the ball over two or three times because that's what he does against this Jets defense. And we'll just see if the Jets can score points. Like that's ultimately the ent- this entire hour that we just talked <laughs> is meaningless <laughs> because if the Jets can't score a touchdown, none of it's going to matter. I mean, that's some hard-hitting analysis. They not, some, yeah, not, to minimize, but not to minimize everything. It's, real, it's, it's true, though, and – I actually like people forget too. like they they beat the Bills. Wilson, I thought, played OK for his standards, maybe above average for his standards if we're grading everything on a curve. But I know Allen turned the ball over. People forget, too. I don't think he had one in the first three quarters. He just lost his mind at the end. At the second half, there were four actually turnovers because he had a fumble yeah. and then the three picks. So literally that you could make a case and I think a pretty good one. That maybe outside of remember the rookie year when he was like still like you knew he was gonna be good, but you were still learning through things. Like you take that out, I think that's easily the worst half of football he's had in five years. You could argue so that. If literally, sure. he doesn't have the worst half of football that a turnover prone quarterback has had in five years. I think they lose that game and they're three and six, and then who knows what's happening right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we, there's, we could say that almost, almost about almost every Jets win this year. I think with the exception of the Broncos game, every single Jets win has been the product of some luck. A lot of it depended on the other quarterback just completely screwing up. Like that's that when Josh Allen, it happened and when Jalen Even in the Denver game, Russell Wilson had a chance late to tie, and then yeah. they had the fumble and the – and Bryce Hall ran it back. But at the same time, we also can give credit to the defense because the defense is the one forcing those issues. Like the defense is absolutely the one that's making that happen. It's no coincidence that Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes are all having their worst games of the season against this defense. Justin Herbert had the fewest passing yards of his career. I know the Chargers won that game. It was the fewest passing yards he's ever had in the game in his entire NFL career in that game. Josh Allen 
again, like you said, one of them might have been one of the worst games, definitely the worst half of football he's played in years. It's no surprise that that happens against this Jets defense. This defense is just that good. Like, And again, PFF's not everything. Right now, the Jets have PFF's number one ranked linebacker in C.J. Mosley, number two ranked linebacker in Quincy Williams, number three ranked defensive lineman, interior D lineman in Quinn Williams, and the number four and five corners in D.J. Reed and Sauce Gardner. That's five top five players at their position. And I think Michael Carter's like close to top ten, too. In terms, yeah, in terms of nickel corners, he's he's one of the top five nickel corners in the NFL. I don't, I don't know if he's the best nickel corner. I know a lot of Jets fans say that. There's some pretty good ones out there. He's up there. Like, he's absolutely up there. He's very good. The Jets are the best cornerback duo and best cornerback trio in the NFL. You could easily argue they're the best linebacker duo. I know Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are great. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen are great. The Jets are right up there with them. And then this D-line's amazing as well. I mean, everyone from Quentin Williams to Bryce Huff, John Franklin Myers, Jermaine Johnson has been unbelievable the last few weeks. The defense is legit. And I feel like every time we do this show, we end up talking about the defense right at the last second, maybe because I want to end on a positive note. I don't know. But it's but just, also it's like dude, we need to talk about you them. can barely critique them. Oh, right, they're like they're, they're not the best run stuff in defense. Who the hell cares? Look how they're playing against these quarterbacks. The only critique I can possibly have is I think they have below average safeties, but also Jordan White has been playing really well the last few weeks. So I don't want to shit on them too much because I know I've been a critic of Jordan White and he's played pretty well the last week. So they had a really good game this past week. Wasn't just the interception too. I thought he was very good. I, the defense is great. The defense is it's just it's just so great, Mike. It's so great. Hopefully they can score a touchdown. But Mike, I have a question. Do you is think it prediction will, related? It is prediction related. Do you think they will score a touchdown? And do you think the Jets can win this game or, or will win this game? They will score a touchdown, but they will not break 10 points. <laughs> so 10 points are they scoring? 10, maybe seven. I don't know. It, wow, I just, maybe not even a Greg Zerline field goal. They play well against Buffalo in MetLife. Last couple of years, they go to Buffalo. I know, again, adverse circumstances. One was last game of the year. That was also the game where Mike White's insides got turned into chunky salsa and Joe Flacco had to come in. And he had played for like one play and then they threw a pick and sent hurt Mike White back out. I'm like, man, this is this is a nightmare. But something about it, I just know in Buffalo, this is a pissed off team too. Five and five. You, you, I don't think you can discount that. I know the Jets are pissed off too, but Buffalo has more talent, I think, on offense to execute their they're pissed off offedness than the Jets do, and they just seem more they're going to flail. They'll force Allen into some turnovers, and I think the touchdown will be scored because they'll be put in an advantageous position by the defense. Maybe a fumble, an interception, something like that. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Like, I know Zach Wilson's had some comebacks this year, including the Bills game. If they're down 16 to 10 and they get the ball back with two and a half minutes at their own 15 yard line, do you think they're going to score and win? Maybe. Yeah, man. Honestly, yes, maybe. yes or no, gun to your head. Yes or no. Okay, gun to my head. God, like, no. I'll play the odds and say no. I don't want to die. Yeah, that's the best. I, so. I think they have a better chance of scoring in that situation than on the opening drive of the game. <laughs> like, I, I, I really think they have a better chance of scoring in that position in that situation than the opening drive of the game. But obviously, any Jets drive, I'm going to say no. They don't have a good chance of scoring, but a better chance there. I, yeah, Brian saying the new injury reports out. I did see that. Garrett Wilson limited with the elbow injury. Maybe don't have him throw a wide receiver pass if he's hurt. If he has an elbow injury, that's I'll an idea. never suspect this. <laughs> that's, that's an idea. They definitely wouldn't suspect that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm, it's a hard game, man. Every Jets game this year is just it's a coin flip. Like it really is a coin flip. I am going to take. 
I've been, I feel like I've been bad with my predictions lately, but I'm going to, I'm going to go the optimist approach and I'm going to say the ball's bouncing their direction this week. They get lucky, they get the lucky breaks and then they pull out a win, a close win. I, let, you know, it'd be really fun. Let's say it's another overtime win. Let's say the Jets win 16, 13 in overtime. They score a touchdown. Brees Hall scores a touchdown, which means they improved to nine and zero with when Brees Hall scores a touchdown and they get three Greg Zerlin field goals, including one in overtime. The Bills offense gets in the scoring position multiple times. Josh Allen turns over twice in the red zone. Jets win 16-13. Book it. That's my pick. And then Jets fans are all, we can win the division. We're going to first place, you know, next week for first place maybe. Well, I guess the the Dolphins would have to lose to the Raiders. Maybe that happens. I don't know. Although the Dolphins generally take care of teams they should beat. Um, But even still, that Black Friday game will be really fun if the Jets win this game. So I'm going to say – Jets win. They they yeah. As as Andre says in chat, they clean up the penalties. They they let Brees uh, cook in the red zone. Brees gets a touchdown. That's going to be my pick, and then everyone's back on the bandwagon. I don't know. That's that's what I'm saying. I'm being an optimist this week. Brees may get a touchdown, but Josh Allen's going to get. There's no way Josh Allen doesn't score a touchdown in this game. Sure, he gets one. <laughs> Thirteen. There you go. Or he gets two, and they miss an extra point. I don't know. Tyler or Bester. as because again the other thing too is we both like Joe Brady a lot. Yeah. And Joe Brady, I got to give him credit. People forget what he before he came in. LSU. That was Joe Burrow LSU where he was throwing seventy eight percent completion and six thousand yards. I mean, there was the Joe guy, Brady. That was one of his problems actually in Carolina was he can't run the ball, but dude can cook up a pretty efficient passing game. Yeah, there were there was Jets head coach talk for Joe Brady. Like he was. I wouldn't have been opposed to it. Me neither. I mean, that was the Adam Gase cycle, right? That was that was the Adam Gay cycle. It was twenty. No, I think that was the solace. You no, know, it was the solace. Yeah, because twenty nineteen was the year he had with with Burrow. So yeah, yeah it would was, have been like twenty nine at that point. Yeah, so, so it was the solace cycle. Yeah, I, I mean, I I genuinely still do think Robert Sala is a pretty good head coach, despite some oh, of the I issues do too. Yeah. here. I mean, for all for all the talk that people have every single week about fire Robert Sala, all this. I, I actually Sala. didn't. I didn't even consider him as a candidate because I remember when they were doing that, it seemed like almost a lock he was going to go to the Lions. That was the buzz the entire time because he's from there and all that. Like, so I'm just like, all right, he's he's going to the Lions. And I think Brian Dable is going to go to the Chargers. I'm like, all right, let's look at, let's yeah, look at everything else. Dable and the Chargers made so much sense. I was I was convinced that was going to happen. Uh, and then then they got a grifter who still now, beat the Jets because they can't score touchdowns. Oh, it drives me so mad. Sorry, right, man. This week, have faith. No, don't have faith. Have optimism. Have optimism. Optimism well, can look lead. where that's got us. So thank you for, <laughs> for joining the Jet Press Podcast. Wherever you may have done it, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be you get your podcast. We're on all those sites, YouTube and TikTok at the Jet Press. Make sure you like the video if you liked it. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I'll let Justin sign us off. Yes, and for those of you still here, I should have mentioned this earlier in the show. I forgot. Right now, as of 4 p.m. Eastern time, we have an interview with Jets linebacker C.J. Mosley. Yes, yes. Yes, C.J. Mosley, defensive captain of the Jets. Awesome dude. He's partnering with Campbell's, and we did like a little – little partnership with him. That was very fun. Asked him about Aaron Rodgers, if he thinks Aaron Rodgers is going to be back. Asked him about Quincy Williams. Asked him about a lot of stuff. Funniest – unfortunately, asked him about the funniest players in the locker room. Michael Carter's name may or may not have come up. Whoops. Uh, but definitely check that out. It is up live on the Jet Press YouTube channel right now. It went live at 4 p.m. Uh, and that goes for anybody listening to this after the fact, too. If you're not watching live, definitely check it out on the Jet Press YouTube channel. Anyway, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow me on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out on YouTube and TikTok. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. We have We've told you many times we stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time and live immediately following every single Jets game. 
Thank you all for listening to Jet Press Podcast. I have been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. See you guys next time. Let's hope for five and five. And if not, boy, oh boy, are we going to be mad on Sunday. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.